0: Brazilien, <laughs> right what is resilience? resilience. <laughs> that that cannot can be, be a crazy. word. I mean look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? Stop <laughs> trying to let me suffer.
1: Look, I, I just
2: to want bring to be miserable. Back up a <laughs>
0: Welcome back everybody to the Big Players Only podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world including the golf of your favorite big players Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin and Kenny One Putt. We had a big weekend of golf at the Wyndham Championship as you know the final regular season event. So if you are not in the top 70 following this past Sunday's contest, you will not be competing at the FedEx St. Jude this week. We had some big, big names on the cut line. We'll talk about some of the big names that got in, played really well this past weekend, and then some that just fell short. And like we said, we're headed into the FedEx Cup playoffs, the end of the season tournament. We got three tournaments coming up, the FedEx St. Jude, the BMW, and the Tour Championship If you are in the top 70 as of today, following the Wyndham Championship, you're competing at the St. Jude, and then after this event, top 50 will make it to the BMW, and then top 30 to the Tour Championship at Eastlake. We got a fun course at TPC Southwind, a course that's been around for a long time. We'll talk about the tournament, some of the big names, and what we're looking forward to. And to round out the episode, we'll talk about the 2024 PGA Tour schedule, which was just released a couple of days ago. We got new sponsors in, we got old sponsors out, we got new events, and we lost some events. We'll break it down for you. And then probably the biggest news in the golf world this past week, all of the chatter on golf Twitter is Bryson DeChambeau's 58. He shot at the Greenbrier, an old PGA Tour course. Liv went there for the first time. Bryson shoots 61-58 in his last two rounds to win by six. Pretty impressive stuff. I think his name is now firmly in the hat for Marco Simone and the Ryder Cup coming up at the end of September. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. And we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, we got the Wyndham Championship in the books. A big week for all the all the pros out there. As you know, if you finish this week and inside the, inside the top 70, you then make it to this current week, this FedEx St. Jude. After this week, if you're top 50, you go to BMW, and then top 30, go to the Tour Championship. Uh, but it's a big week for these guys. This used to be a bigger week because the top 125 made it to the next week, and that meant you kept your tour card. So, maybe not as many ramifications if you don't make next week. If you're still 70 to 125, you got to grind out the fall a little bit, but you still keep your tour card. Uh Lucas Glover takes his title down his first win since 2021, his fifth win on tour, which is pretty impressive. I think it's a pretty good story. I mean, you see Lucas Glover in the post-round presser, he's just he seems like such a nice guy, like a good old boy from South Carolina or Georgia, I think South Carolina. Clemson, right? Yeah, he's a Clemson boy. He's got his family there. His wife couldn't make it. He talks about, like, I'm glad I won because I want to be home for, like, more of my kids' ball games and stuff. Like, I've been playing a lot of golf because I haven't been playing good golf. Uh, but I think the big thing for him this week is this new putter he's got in the bag. If you guys have heard of the the lab putters, right? Oh, they're, they have, like, they're really hideous, but yeah. they have a really great center of gravity. And now all of a sudden you got – Lucas Glover using it, Ben on using it. I think Siwoo Kim was using it. Adam Scott. Adam Scott's using it. I also
3: have a good center of gravity, but I can't put.
0: It's not your putter, right? Yeah, you need a good center of gravity on the putter, not the body. Uh, but a big win for him. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Did you watch any of the golf this week?
1: Yeah, I caught the tail end of it, and, you know, you talked you talked about it. He's a grinder. I mean, he's out there every single week, and you can tell, like you said in his post-round press conference, he's been, like, pressing to get to this – playoffs to to be able to get into the events next year he's been on the road constantly and finally like you said finally found something with the putter that's never been his issue he's you know a notorious no glove player and hits really quality iron shots and just whether or not the putter is going to show up which it really has kind of been mia all season and and most of his career but uh great to see him break through and uh get that playoff berth
2: it's funny, like some of these last events, like as we're going through the leaderboards, as we talk, it's like we've been going through the top ten, and I we kept hearing his name. And I just pulled it up real quick. Take out one missed cut at the three M, and he he won this past week, had a fifth, a T six, a T four in the most recent weeks. It's like this. He's been up there. Got his so, due. So yeah, it's, it's it's cool that he kind of like pulled one out after being so close three weeks. And kind of
0: like a tough start to the season, and then he really pulled it home. And he's been playing in all of
4: like the off field events too like he I don't think he was in the open championship he played in that right um, the Barbasol or whatever which I mean good for him I, I respect those guys that'll still go play that rather than take a week off
0: so he moves up to 49 which means if he has like I don't know a top 40 week this week he's probably going to make it to the BMW a good week for him other names on the leaderboard our boy Ben on who we know is a, a Sean Foley uh, product also using that new putter another good week for him he's kind of like He's one of the big names that made his way into the St. Jude, made himself into the top 70 with this T2 finish. A good week for him. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but there's been a couple times where Ben-On has been on the putting surface and in a position where he can putt, but I think because he's using this long putter, he's choosing to chip Like when he's like more than like 70 feet away from the hole. It's <laughs> extremely odd to watch.
3: What is the logic there? Like, what is he... Like I know, I remember that video of someone trying to chip on like Jack's green. Jack screen. Jack'd be like, "Fuck you, you can't do yeah. that." And like pulling out a putter from 120 feet and draining it to show him like it could be done. Like what? Like what is the what's going through someone's
0: head that as a you know better golfer like that would make them do that? Well, oh, it's a greenkeeper's nightmare. You're right. I mean, no one likes seeing guys chip off the green, especially when you don't have to. Right? When you see guys play some of those courses that have those bunkers in the middle of the green and you have to chip over them, like I totally get that. But I think because he's using that long putter, he's either not comfortable or doesn't think he can efficiently do a long stroke with it because it's such a big shoulder turn feel thing yeah so he's just chipping and like the two that i've seen the chips have been great but it's just so (laughs) odd to see like he has a putt at it and he chooses to chip
4: yeah it's got to be something about getting the weight right on those longer lag putts um I, i know they were talking about lucas glover and using this new putter and he like taught himself how to use it like he it's a long putter but he doesn't anchor it or anything he basically just like grabbed it and said, all right, here's how I'm going to putt with this. And now he's just been successful with it. So, I mean, I know it's a newer thing. Like, it's not like this putter has been around for a long time. So I assume all these guys are just trying to still get a
0: feel for it. And I think the style of putting where you're not actually anchoring, but still like trying to set your elbow in a fashion, I think it's working for a lot of these guys. And I hope it sheds some light on the fact that like Bernard Longer has been cheating for all these years where his (laughs) left arm is literally like rested against his left like nipple and you can see his shirt like pressed and it's like you're not allowed to do that but nobody ever says anything about it maybe we'll start seeing some rules officials come out didn't they make
3: that like a, that was a big thing because adam scott was you know mr long putter for yeah. a long time and i think he still does use that but then he went back to a short putter because they changed all the rules because of all the anchoring stuff didn't it
0: it's kind yeah. of like a new style of this like not anchoring but like it's a modified chest thing but it's not actually touching your sternum yeah. it's new like i think when it they didn't want to try it when anchoring went away, but now these guys are getting more comfortable with it's it. It's like
1: you're anchoring it, but not against your body.
0: Right. You're like anchoring
1: it up against your, you know, it's it's easier to, to hold it way up high versus like down low, and it's truly more of a pendulum. But
0: So Lucas Glover moves in, Ben On moves in, and then uh, Bubble Boy with a pretty good week this week. Ben Griffin takes T. He takes number 70. He's the last man in the field at St. Jude. He knocks off our boy Justin Thomas. I don't know if you saw, but Justin Thomas – drives it left on 18 hits an incredible hook recovery shot just short of the green hits a chip shot that hits the pin hits the cup and lands about an inch away he goes rolling down the fairway unbelievable shot didn't go in and if it did go in he would have been in do you think that
3: you know his caddy's up there tending that pin. It goes in if he pulls it, or do you think it's just way past because it had like too much steam? Yeah, I don't know. It looks yeah, like it was coming it, in hot. Yeah,
0: it looks like it was on its second bounce and it was coming down, so it might have caught the back of the hole. But that's just I, that I was just
3: watching. I was wondering. I was like, would it have gone in, or was it was just it was a good chip, made it really exciting. I was like,
0: Ugh. but then Ben Griffin goes on Instagram and makes a post <laughs> about how like we talked about how we thought Rory's comments were a bit like distasteful when he went up to Rob McIntyre and was like sorry well Ben Griffin makes a post about how he thinks some time off will be good for JT <laughs> like he's like as he's a not fellow wrong. he's like <laughs> <not laughs> Ben Griffin's like as a fellow professional golfer sometimes it's good to take a step away it's like Ben Griffin you were selling insurance last year you're not <laughs> the same person i will
3: say this JT's just fallen right into that trap though like i said before you know that First year or so of marriage, he's adjusting to a new style of life. You know, his golf game took a step back. Two years from now, he's winning two majors. I'm calling it right now.
2: Do, do you actually think this is better for JT? I think it is. Like like a little bit of a wake-up call. It's like, hey, maybe you're not focused as much as you should be, rightfully so. Yeah, but he goes like, into the offseason and just really gets that focus. Kind of
3: figures it out, t- takes time. Like, I feel like he's been so aggressively major-focused, like as he should be, as arguably, you know, one of the ten most skilled players In the world, but you know, to then bypass basically all these other events because you're so major focused, so much pressure. I think he he has got his priorities a little whack. He's not in the right mindset going into most of these events.
4: I mean, let's not dance around it. JT is going to be playing in about a month at the Ryder Cup. (laughs) If you ask me, opinion, but (laughs) I I, I, think (laughs) he's got a good chance. I think he will be. I mean the. The grid he showed to come back during that last round. I mean, the last I know, I know rounds, the Lions really. start soon. Kyle, he shot when he used grit, but he shot five under Friday, shot four under Saturday, and then comes and has a, a decent round on Sunday, yeah, two under on he Sunday, put which himself was fine. in a position to make the right, the the playoffs after all of this. Like heat has been t- he's been taking in the media, how he's lost it and all this stuff. Well, he was almost the top seventy golfer on the PGA Tour, and that's pretty damn good.
1: But but this was the Wyndham Championship. Like fresh off the Open Championship, where he shot in the 80s, one round. So, yeah.
3: and you can't forget yeah. the fact that he made with the like the cut nine, at only know. one major. He only made the cut at one major this year, and it wasn't a particularly strong finish there either. So, okay. he definitely has struggled.
4: Sure, but to his standards, He's set the people, standards for himself. People are comparing him to like Ricky Fowler, who wasn't even sniffing the FedEx Cup playoffs last couple. Agreed, seasons. it's but, not close.
3: Eh, I think it is close because <laughs> Ricky's was over a you know, a few years he had the decline. It wasn't an immediate, he's just out of it, Ricky was. So he has, there is a world where he has that same kind of fall and then has to climb back out of that same sort of hole. It wasn't a night and day, you know, all of a sudden one season Ricky was just gone.
4: JT won the PJ Championship last season. I,
3: I, he's not gone. I, I'm not saying he's gone. That, that's my point. And I'm saying Ricky was the same way. It wasn't a one season Ricky was top 10 golfer, and then the next season he was you know, not even in the top 100 anymore. It was a slow decline and a slow build back up.
0: I think it, it almost feels a bit arbitrary because the number 70 was just kind of, well, it's not plucked out of a hat. It's always been 70 goes to what would have used to have been the second round of the playoffs. Now it's the first round of the playoffs. It's a bit of a down year for JT, but being 71st in the FedEx Cup is not outrageous. I mean, Jordan is 31 right now. He's also not having a great year. I think the difference between 31 and 71 is maybe just a couple of events. So I would say, generally speaking, yeah, I don't think it's the same as Ricky's decline because Ricky's decline, he pretty much fell off the side of the earth. JT, it feels more like, so Ricky's game felt completely broken, every piece of it. He wasn't hitting the ball good. He wasn't putting good when he'd always been a good putter. J.T.'s, we've we've seen this a lot with a lot of these top pros, but J.T. had been putting pretty poorly over the past six months, and I think that's probably something he's figuring out now. So, I don't know. I just feel like the number 70 in getting into the playoffs is such an arbitrary number that J.T.'s having a down year, but I wouldn't look at it like it's it's been a terrible year.
3: I mean, I feel like the number 70 makes a lot of sense to me for the format going forward with this, because like, that was basically kind of what roughly a cut typically ends up being. You know, it's around 60, 65, 70 players make the cut, and if they wanted to transition to that no-cut event, give everyone all four rounds. I feel like it was a pretty strategic number. It makes sense. It also allows for a very consistent format. It's like everyone's going to go off one every day kind of situation. They're not going to have to do split tees and all of that kind of stuff. So it'll be a little pretty clean. It'll feel like basically weekend rounds the entire time, which I, I personally love the number 70 for this.
0: I think another guy that's, I think a similar resume, maybe not as high of a ceiling, but a guy like Shane Lowry, right? Won an open championship within the past couple of years, he's also not in the playoffs. And I don't think we're holding it against him too heavily as we are to JT. Yeah. I mean, what we was got, his rank? Lowry was something in the eighties. That's crazy to me. We, so we have Gary Woodland, JT, uh, Billy Horschel, Adam Scott, Joel Damon, Shane Lowry. Like these are all big names. And I think a lot of them have a similar pedigree to, to Justin Thomas. So I just feel like we're, we're probably hitting him a little too hard for this. And, of all those guys, I think he's the one that's shown, like, this was just a bad six, eight-month stretch. It hasn't been – it probably won't be something that will continue into the next year.
3: Do you think he still posts his, you know, standard end of the season, these are my goals and this is what I did post that he always does? And will all be misses. And yeah. it will all just be like, no, 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 no.
0: I wonder if he keeps the same goals for next year, if he, like, brings them down a little bit. That'll be interesting. Well, he. I think
1: he brings this extra criticism on himself. Mm-hmm. He holds himself so high because he. Everyone looks at him as Tiger's little brother, yeah. and so he's automatically going to be. You know, he's got to be a top five player, and if he's not, then he's having a down year, and he's having a way, way, way down year. I mean, especially you look at the majors. That's that's how these pros measure their their games and everything. And so when when he's missing cuts at majors and shooting in the 80s, I mean it's it's way worse than just a. a little blip in the the radar.
0: Maybe we should all just be like Joel Damon, so when we make the cut at the 3M, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, what a good yeah. week. He's just like, he, he doesn't set standards for himself at all. He's just like, I'm extremely happy to be a PGA Tour player.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, Colin brought it up, though, when, in terms of the Ryder Cup, just saying, you know, he's going to be there. What what do we think? Obviously, we know where Colin stands on this. You know, I, I'm tending to kind of lean that way because of the team locker room kind of aspect, like the people, the other guys that are going to be on the team, you know, whether it's been – You know, actually top six or coaches
2: and stuff have said they're going to be on the team. Like, they want to play with him. Like, what do you guys think? I don't think he's going to be on the team this year. I think this is kind of an odd year where you're getting some of these not big-name guys that are making the team. Like, you got guys like Harmon and Windham out there. I think you're going to see another one of those mid-tier, to not quite the upper-tier players making it and getting that pick of a guy like JT, like, reward these guys that had the good year. Don't just do it for the name recognition.
0: You just, like, play it by the numbers. You don't play yeah. it by, like, yeah, the potential. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept, right? Because, like, Europe have always been the guys that don't play by the numbers. They play by the trying to get the tides to turn. So they take the guys like Westwood and Poulter, Polter, and they've been, you know, that's the other thing is we haven't won a Ryder Cup on foreign soil in, like, 30 years. So it's a good year to if you're going to try something, probably try it. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe, you know, you got guys like DeShambeau and even, like, Finau and JT, guys that could really bring the heat.
3: And yeah. Just to clarify, he's only 14th in like the yeah. rankings. Wise, he's not that far back.
2: And are, like, are, are there any like those mid tier guys like right around there as well?
3: So Keegan, yeah, Keegan is at 10, which he, in my opinion he doesn't you know light the world on fire as yeah, a I hear JT like he's time. he's had good Ryder Cups in his defense, uh, similar to JT. And then you got Morikawa right after that, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, and then it's Justin Thomas. Like Ricky Fowler at 13, in my mind, he's got to be a no brainer. Like Agreed. he's been playing great golf. Like as one of the captain picks, I but. think
4: those. I think those last three: Keegan, Colin, Sam Burns. Colin, more and Sam Burns probably had just as bad. Like, I mean, I'm was in the playoffs, I guess. Yeah, but like Sam Burns, he hasn't really played well this year, has he? I, not, not, he's, not great. He's, he like, won somebody, the match but, play, right? And that's, that's kind of been it. Yeah, but I mean, he's not having a good year by his standards. I don't know. I, I would put JT. Probably over all three of those guys, in my opinion, just as far as terms of the locker room and getting him to play with Speeth and his experience. Yeah. How, how far does
2: that list go? You're looking at is there guys behind JT?
3: Uh, yeah, so behind JT, you got guys like uh, Kittyama, Denny, Finao, uh, fun. At, outside of that, it gets kind of yeah. a little you know, a well, bit of a reach reward for, Denny sure, for the year he's
1: had. I'd, yeah, I'd much rather see Denny I, I think, unless you see guys behind him make a push ahead of him now. I think JT's a lock. I mean, it it's all the intangibles. Spee's going to go to to ZJ and say, "Look, I got to have my guy there so you can put us out there in all these uh two-ball or foursomes and four-ball matches because we're the we're Team USA." Yeah. I mean, that's the team right there and and he's, you know, it's kind of a lifetime achievement in a way of he has earned his spot on this team for what he's done every year in the Presidents Cup and Ryder Cup. And it's it's shitty because does not belong there on merit this year, yeah. but he's gonna i think I, I don't see any reason I guess reason what, he what the issue
3: the i don't do anyone know when they like officially make the announcements of who's on who isn't like I know there's a couple guys that have already locked in their qualifying like it's Scheffler and Wyndham Clark have both locked in but is there a date that you know Zach Johnson has to come out and say these are who my captain's picks are
4: I don't think it's until it should whatever. be after the tour don't quote me on now. this but yeah I would think it's after everything's done with the PGA yeah, so season.
3: that's the only potential concern is like if you see those couple guys like Keegan comes out and wins next week and then Colin Morikawa wins the following week and you know something. so like he's that. just
1: inherently gonna fall yeah. Because he's not playing, Because he's in not golf. playing, he's gonna yeah. fall back on so his range. So, it's like, if those guys come out and play
3: really good, it almost becomes maybe a challenge. I still think, based again off that history, off of him and Jordan have shown time and time again how they play well together in those various formats. Not to mention, there's also the fact that they don't, he theoretically you could be on the team and only play that one day, the final day, just a the, single, just singles or something, just be a clubhouse guy, yeah.
0: yeah. So, like. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch it kind of develop. I think the next three weeks are going to be really important, right, for some of those guys chasing either or for some of those guys who are in to solidify. Yeah. Right? Like, I think Sam Burns, like, it's a good good one to bring up because if he starts having a really good playoff, that guy can get hot. And we know how good he can get. Like, same thing Cam Young, Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, like, Denny McCarthy. If Denny makes a run in the playoffs here and gets into tour championship and has a great finish, like – and his putter stays hot. I really think these next three weeks are going to be really important. And you're right, JT is just going to be sitting there like like a buoy in the water, just hoping that someone doesn't pull ahead of him.
4: And I think, like you said, Ben, it's we haven't won on European soil in how long in the Ryder Cup. We're going over to Italy. We're playing this course, which, from all accounts I've heard, is like kind of a circus course. It's very like unusual. Yeah. Do you want to bring someone who's like? Who, who has experience in the Ryder Cup and the Presidents Cup and these kind of events, or do you want to bring someone who has never played in this but had a good season this year?
3: And the uh, other thing to JT's on that exact regard is like he's shown that he can hit all the shots. Like I'm going to go back to the players two years ago, where like in the worst conditions he had the you know by far the best round, can hit all the windows, even though he hasn't been doing it. Like you know he has the ability to hit a circus shot. we well, you know use sud- saw it on Sunday, Sunday. as yeah. we say use Sunday. Uh, this past week where he was able to hit that ridiculous hook around the trees kind of situation, which may come in handy really when you think about
0: it. Yeah. Like I think you put him in foursomes and not four ball or yeah. four ball and not foursomes. Right. Cause he might be a little bit of a liability in alternate shot, but in, in four ball, you can just like, go him out there and make him send it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm being a little bit negative towards JT, but like, this is the exact event that like, he's a fiery
2: guy. Like yeah. he, he gets into the moment, get the emotions flowing. He could easily just get hot and just carry the team. I wouldn't be surprised by that by any means either.
0: I think if ZJ, just went straight to stats and picked his 12 based on stats and we lost, I would be more upset than if he just sent it on camaraderie and fire and we lost because we just got to try something different on European soil.
4: And imagine how like determined JT would be if he, if he was picked and like knows that he didn't play up to his standards this year, but got the pick. And people are probably doubting that he got the pick Tyler and he just goes Colin. out there and shows
0: out. Well, oh, and you could put him with a guy like Brian Harmon who, Who's just a real consistent golfer, right? Absolutely, I think there's good parents. He did come out and say as much as like
3: he, making the Ryder Cup team was more important to him than trying to make the playoffs. As much as like he was clearly trying to
0: make the playoffs on Sunday, and we saw that, but
3: like this means the world to him.
0: Yeah. All right, let's jump into the Saint Jude, right? First playoff event this week, top seventy. We got a twenty million dollar purse, right, and then another twenty five million dollar purse at Olympia Fields, and then the Tour Championship is something like twenty five million to the to the winner, right? So plus it, the overall, plus situation. the yeah, so it's it's a huge, huge uh, next three weeks for golf. TPC Southwind, it's it's a course that actually has had some really great winners over the past few years. Zala Torres won it in twenty two, Finau won it in twenty one, DJ won it in twenty and seventeen, Patrick Reed in nineteen and Deshambo in eighteen. So it's a course that. Of those names, yeah, we got some long hitters, but we also got Reed and Zalatoris who are, like, a little bit more tactical off the tee. It's a course that could anyone could win at. I'm kind of excited to put a DraftKings lineup in this weekend because, like, you got top 70 golfers, so you probably got some guys there down the list that are playing some really good golf, and you're going to get them for, like, 5500 bucks because they have to go from most expensive to cheapest. I think that's what I'm looking for. And there's no course.
3: cut. Cause so you, you're right. guaranteed that they're going to be playing there so they can get hot on. Have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, just have a couple you know, good rounds late and... All of a sudden, you jump up the leaderboard.
0: I think I saw something where Scotty is something like twelve thousand seven hundred. But then you are going to have guys that are like you know thirty like three
3: hundred. Lucas
0: Glover, right? 49th right now. He's going to be like six grand. It's going to be yeah, fun to watch.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch like the No Cut event and just I mean, obviously we've seen it in the FedEx Cup playoffs before, but it, it just kind of feels a little bit different now as we are heading into next season and with all the changes that are in place, just to kind of see how it handles what it looks like with you know an eye on the future as well and in addition to like you're saying just the FedEx Cup and as people try to make moves with Ryder Cup all of that these these events all have like double the or quadruple the points so the winner gets 2,000 FedEx Cup points to then move up and down so I forget who was Ben Griffin was the 70th guy in he gets a top five if he wins if he wins it all of a sudden he's in the top 10 yeah uh, in overall standings and this we're still in that phase and world where at the tour championship, the leader is going to start at 10 under kind of thing. So it's like, it, it does matter, even though it's like a no cut event. Like they, it, they've actually kind of made it work a little bit better, I think
0: than last year. And we got some fun names here outside the top 50 inside the top 70. We got Hideki. We got Keith Mitchell, Matt Kuchar, Cam Davis, Sam Ryder, I mean Ben Griffin. Like these are guys, right? Quadruple points. I mean, you get a top five here. You're pretty much punt, you're punching your ticket into Olympia fields. And then you have another good week. It's like all of a sudden you get tour championship. You're talking about some big money in tour championship.
3: Guaranteed money.
0: Yep. All right, let's jump into some of the other stuff. Happened this week. Yesterday we got the PGA tour schedule. Uh you know not major changes to it were what are we calling them now signature yeah, now they're signature events we've we have have gone sig- from elevated yeah, to designated, designated to, to now designated signature. elevated to signature uh, the schedule itself is not much different right we still got our we got our majors we got our same big events we had last year we're excited to see the elevated so the the signature events are the tournament the tournament of champions the century tournament of champions in hawaii 18t pebble beach gets an upgrade this year now to a signature event the Genesis is a signature event. The Arnold Palmer is a signature. You still have the players. The RBC Heritage is retaining its signature status, which I thought was an interesting one, as well as the Wells Fargo and the Travelers, both keeping their signature status. Uh, and then the Memorial is the second-to-last signature event. Uh, and the other thing interesting with this schedule is, I forgot we have a, the Olympics next year, which is going to be sandwiched uh, right in between the 3M and the Wyndham, so the last two regular season events. I guess it's just a week off for most guys, right? What do we send? Two? Four. Four? Three. Something like
2: that. Three or four. From the – Where are the Olympics this year? Is it France? France, yeah.
0: So it should be be interesting to watch the playoffs there come the end of the year. We got the Olympics as a bit of a break. Um, But not many changes to the event. The other thing was, uh, right, we know the Honda was going away from the Honda Classics. That's now called the Classic in the Palm Beaches. They didn't even get a sponsor for it. I think there's some sh- there's some shit going on with the PGA Tour right now, dude. I saw another big executive it's step be the down. The Saudi Classic, I heard. And, you know, we have like right, the whole we have the whole pending PIF merger with mm-hmm. the PGA coming this year. We saw a recent executive step down from the PGA Tour C suite. Monaghan's lost all confidence with these players. They don't they don't like him anymore. I mean, it's going to be a big year to see kind of where the PGA Tour yeah, is headed. And,
1: and we got the cat stepping into the uh, Players Advisory Council. Yep. And yeah, and that I mean. His, his voice carries quite the weight, obviously, and so he's going to be the one sh- kind of shaping how this thing turns out. So did they leave room for other signature events? We would have a PIF Invitational and in Jetta or, you know, something along those lines, or is that, yeah. is that all, like, next year?
3: No, no, they didn't leave any of that. Like, I think this <laughs> schedule's all but, you know, set in stone here in the sense of, like, it, it, they are. that's going to be held up in legal shit for the next yeah, three years true. if we're being realistic. So I think that that's kind of like by the wayside. But as you kind of mentioned, the one tournament, you know, didn't even have a sponsor. So maybe that'll be your PIF invitational. Okay. And they'll just be like, oh, it's a $40 million purse. And then everyone's going to show up because, you know, the huge money.
0: Um, yeah, it looks like it's set in stone. The only thing they haven't identified is the off event that will be played while the Genesis Scottish Open is played is still a TBA event. So to be announced.
4: I think looking at this schedule, uh, there are two clear winners to me. One's obvious and one's not so obvious. Uh, the at and Pebble Beach, I think that's going to be awesome next year to watch the big names play at Pebble Beach because not not a lot of the big names typically play in that one. It's I don't know if it's just because where it was sandwiched in the schedule, but not a lot of guys would go out there and play. I think they'd typically play at Tory and then kind of move on, take a week off. But uh, that'll be fun to watch all the big names play Pebble Beach. The Houston event getting moved up to the spring uh, back to like where it was a few years ago I think is huge because I've heard that that course where they play that event at is sets up very similar to like the greens roll very similar to Augusta I'm not saying that they're like Augusta greens but I think just the way that they kind of set up that tournament and the way those greens roll is similar it's like a good prep for these guys to play Augusta so I think we'll actually get a lot of bigger names than we expect playing in that event which is good for them because before it was a fall event that literally nobody would, like, go to. No, None of the big names would go to. So I think that's a big win for them.
0: And back to the at t one, too. Like, I think this year we had Justin Rose and Peter Malnati fighting for that title. So now we're going to see, you know, the Rory, the Rom, the Scotty, the Xander, the Can'tley, all those guys going to Pebble Beach. I mean, that is a big – it's important because, like, we you know how, how – cool that course is and how historic it is and how it used to be a very popular PGA tour event, but you're right. They start that Western swing and they're going for five, six weeks. And all of a sudden Pebble beach pro am comes up and they're like, I need a week off. I
3: don't know. As I'm looking here, one thing that's standing out to me is the players championship, March 11th to the 17th is that week. I- I'm worried that, you know, Dub's going to be late to his wedding because he's going to be watching the players. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be some issues honorary there. member. We're, I, we're all going to be late. T- to typically them. speaking, uh, like that's Are also March there? Madness kind of time. Like there, there's a lot going on there. I'm worried about you know Dub not making Ceremonies it to the a on
1: Friday. So can know, we catch our connect- what, he yeah. watching. So you're saying watching watching it might be Friday what like play.
3: the second day of the March Madness and the players?
0: Yeah. We'll catch our connector in Ponder Beach, and we'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll take, take a, a day there. We'll take a brief intermission from watching all this
4: to,
1: to go get uh, married, and then I'll
0: I'm sure your future
4: father-in-law
1: time. will be watching
3: plenty of sports on yeah. his phone during the ceremony anyways.
4: Why is the Tournament of Champions a signature event? I don't know Because it, it already has all the big names in it, I guess. Well, <laughs> like, not. I don't know. I, I think that's so dumb. Like, we didn't even see Rory playing it last year. I, I think that, I think the signature eventually like, give people a chance to, like, Kind of make some hay and qualify for them. Why start out with a signature event that no, is more just like, get into, yeah. it's just like a warm-up for everyone who won last year? It's it's basically like it's also a birdie fest. At yeah, the it's, like a, it's like a preseason event almost. I don't understand why that's a signature event. It's honestly
0: not that great of a field either when you start thinking about the guys that won that are going to be there. There's going to be some, some randoms, big names, yeah. but there's going to be 10 guys that are like, oh, that's right, I forgot you won last year. So, just so looking
3: at what would you replace it with if you're going to add the one other signature event somewhere in there?
0: I would say Tory, but I
4: think that's too close to the AT and T now. It is. Um, Imagine
0: if they made waste management L, uh, signature still, and it went yeah. AT and T signature, waste management signature, the and then Genesis, Genesis signature. signature. What a three weeks off that would be!
1: I, I'm still a big fan of doing a signature event internationally. So whether that's the Scottish Open or you know something like that, you'd that's have to a, add something. A swing too. and a miss there. Because that uh, be the
3: same kind of situation? You'd have it back right. yeah, to back, right? Yeah, I mean it's it, like... it's not
1: perfect, but you know you're asking a. Wish list kind of question. I'm
3: I'm just curious. Like, I'm I'm looking at the schedule. Like, where would it fit?
0: I remember last year we weren't very happy about a lot of these signature events being after majors, and we still have the RBC after the masters, and we still have the travelers right after the US Open. So it's Mm kind of like I think I've heard rumors where these guys, right this year, it was big news because. The four new elevated events that they announced, like you had to play in them, and you could you could skip one. But if you skip more than one, you were going to get a big fine. Rory skipped Tournament of Champions. Four. Then he skipped RBC, got a big fine. I think they've negotiated it where like they're going to do their best to be at everyone, but it's not as required as it used to be. You'll still uh. get an incredibly good field, but I think some of these guys are going to be like, dude, that U.S. Open was a hell of a week for me. I'm going to take off for the Travelers.
3: Yeah, which I think is still a mistake in the sense, especially if you're going to make it a... Those ones in particular, where it's a small field of you know 70, 80 guys, I think is what it's at with the top 50 FedEx Cup guys making it. And then you're gonna, are they just gonna replace it? They have the alternates in the same kind of way, yeah. like it's, it's kind of a weird situation. I think they, I feel they should have almost ratcheted up the restrictions and adjusted the schedule accordingly a little
0: bit. I agree, yeah. You, I think having the elevated or signature events right after the majors and then telling the guys they don't have to go, I think is potentially setting up them up for disaster. Because yeah. you're going to have one of these top five players in the world. Like, I don't know, like John Rahm. Like, I respect him winning the Masters and then going to the RBC. Whether he did that, I think he mostly did it out of good faith, but I think he also probably did it so he didn't lose out on $3, 5000000 million or whatever. These guys aren't going to have that need to go play there anymore. So you win the Masters, you might not go to the RBC. Yeah. All right, let's jump into probably what was the biggest piece of news from the golf world this past week. Bryson's fifty-eight. 58 at Greenbrier. Of course, they used to play the military tribute at. I remember Joaquin Neiman. It was his first PJ Tour win. We know Old White and Sulphur Springs. Like That's an amazing course. A lot of history. The Greenbrier itself is a pretty awesome place. Um, I know they had this course playing relatively easy, per se. Uh, lift cleaning place everywhere. Greens were soft. Bryson was driving this thing all over the course, but just Unbelievably, you cannot turn down how good 58 is. I mean, 59 is unbelievable, but he makes a 40-footer on the last... They're like... He only has the two-putt here to shoot 59. And he drains like a 45 foot on the last hole. He does this kind of fairy leap. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not like a big biggest Bryson fan per se. But <laughs> he did, he did, he's like trying to mimic Phil, but he jumped way too high off the ground like to look athletic. He's but, too much of an athlete. <laughs> but all in all, I mean, you gotta give him props here. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about
3: Liv, what you want to say about Bryson, all that. Like 58 is just impressive anywhere, because even if it's playing soft, even if it's whatever, you still have to hit the shots and make those putts. And to do that. In that case, what it's—I don't know—seventy-one or seventy-two. What par? They play par seventy. Par seventy. It's still twelve birdies. Or yeah, fourteen less, birdies, less par fives. Matters. Yeah, twelve birdies, less 12, par fives. 12, yeah. 12, right. I was fourteen with seventy. Try to get to that fifty four again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing. He I was listening to uh, Pat McAfee today, and he's on there and Bryson saying, "Like, I'll be honest. I did start to think about the idea of a fifty four because on Live, if they shoot a fifty four, they just get fifty four million dollars. Doesn't matter when in what event it is, when it's occurring, they would just get a check for fifty four million dollars. Unbelievable." and he was like kind of rattling it off he was like well i did have a, I had a bogey on here i had a lip out over here and then i had a like a putt that i missed by like just a couple inches left or right whatever it was so it was like
0: it was there that <laughs> is the other thing 58 with a bogey yeah. that's pretty impressive <laughs> i think uh i think the big talking point from this is bryson talked about it in his post round presser about this new driver that he put into play. And as he talked about it more, he talked he said that it was a crank driver, which is commonly a, a long drive driver. Now they conform to USGA specs and all that, but Bryson pretty much said, Hey, I can hit the ball wherever I want on this face, and it still goes relatively straight. And then I think about the Taylor made commercial, forgiveness, where Tommy Fleetwood's like purposefully trying to hit, hit it out on the toe and the whole entire ball is outside the middle and it, it still goes three Oh five dead straight. No, I think it was, it was, um, Tommy did that. Well, Scotty probably did it too, it but I was just like, maybe this is just a good time for us to start thinking about if we're not going to roll the ball back. Cause Monahan and the PJ tour said, we're not going to conform to that. What other things can we do? We talked about internal out of bounds being a nice little touch to some of these courses, I think we got to make the driver a little smaller, make it a little little less forgiving.
1: You you can't have a guy come out and say that and not do anything. Yeah. About I know well, he's he not PGA said, Taurus, I He know. doesn't need to practice hitting driver because he cannot miss. And the the drivers become, I mean, even for us, like one of the easier clubs in your bag to hit. Yeah. and it should be speak for yourself. the hardest. Like, why would you use a three wood or a hybrid off the tee when you can just bang driver out there? I would argue I should be using well, a freeway I mean, At the, the, at the pro t- level. T- you're,
4: you're the exception, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Let's make them out of wood again. Why not? <laughs> yeah, the persimmons. We yeah. can make them bigger. The, as big as they are, just they got to be out of wood. They weigh like 30 pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, so another really interesting thing I found, and, and maybe some of us who are trying to break some goals for this year need to try this. I'm listening. Go to the red tees Ow. and play around yeah, he did and get that. comfortable shooting under 80. I can't. I mean, I'm not singling anybody out I would, here. I would. I would still shoot an 81. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> I'm not buying that for one second.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I get what it's saying. Like the thought process of like, oh, you you're in this position to shoot a 74 because you're playing up tees or whatever. But I think my brain would be like, oh, I'm playing for the red tees. This is a like doesn't not a real you know testament to anything. It's similar like when you go play like an executive course and you see your score and it's like, oh yeah, it was under 80. But then you realize, oh wait, it was actually a par. You know, fifty-eight or something like that, because you're playing from, you know, it's only par fours and par threes kind of situation. I think it's the same kind of mindset.
4: But like just thinking through it, if we, if if I, you guys would be a different. If I played the red tees, I would just be like driving it, hitting drive every hole, and then no matter where I was, hitting like my sixty degree and basically chipping practice. So like, how does that help me? Because I'm not hitting anything above like a nine or a pitching ledge at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Well,
0: I think I would have said that this is not a, a feasible tactic to make your scores better, but I think Tully just proved me wrong because he like this 80 number lives in his head as like the the floor. Like you don't think you're gonna break 80. So I think if you, I wish
3: that was the floor, but, but it's, like it's not. Stealing, like
0: you just maybe? said, play the forward tees, and you're like I'm still gonna shoot an 81. So I think the psychology is there. So I think being comfortable with it's making a, more birdies, it's is, a mental thing. Yeah,
1: it's not saying you're gonna somehow learn how to shoot better or. Hit no, that's better. exactly what it's saying. It's what I'm going you're going to you're get, gonna get more comfortable being two over par through yeah. nine holes and be like, I can finish this thing. I'm going to keep the foot on the gas. But my point would be, regardless if I'm feeling comfortable, like,
3: oh, yeah, I'm playing a great de- ground from the red tees, my brain is going to say, I was playing from the red tees. This doesn't count. This doesn't mean anything. So for me, when I go back to our normal tees whether are playing all the tips or one up or whatever it is, I'm going to be like, oh, this actually counts, and it's going to be in my head because it's a real round versus a round of putt-putt.
1: Yeah, so just convince yourself when you're playing the white tee. All right, so i gotta, I got to convince myself 17
0: rounds. different things at once. That's, that's ridiculous. I think there's something there about, um like, oh, you know, I shot 73 from the red tees here, but this hole I had 90 yards in. Now I only have 120 yards in. Like, what's the real difference here? Like, if I can shoot 73 from just being, like, 30, 40 yards closer, why can't I do it from these tees? I,
1: I don't think it would be that different. It's not like no, you would
0: suddenly different.
1: be hitting hybrids in the holes versus wedges. Yeah, no, I think it'd be totally different. Because, like, regar- again, regardless
3: of what I shoot from the red tees versus the blue tees, black tees, white tees, whatever other you know, men's forward back tees, whatever we're calling them at this point, my brain is going to know I was playing from
2: the tees I'm not supposed to play from. I, <clears throat> I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I agree with Tully here. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I can 100% back up tell here. I'm, I'm right with you. It's like I, my whole, the whole time I'm playing is like, yeah, but this doesn't really count. It's like, yeah. wh- why, why am I doing this? Doesn't it's like really when count. you play really well
3: in the scramble, like, Oh, I wonder what I would have shot. But like, it doesn't matter. Like if you were playing really well, it's what the team shot. Like it's the same kind of like, it,
0: you know, this,
3: this, it wasn't a real round, even I, though I did do it.
0: I think the only thing that I can add here that might play in your favor is I experienced this when we play the blue tees out at musket is I think it gets tight for longer hitters sometimes. So when I move back a tee, like when I play the tips at clustered, I think to myself like, wow, these fairways are so much wider. So I think if you do play up a tee, you'll think the holes are more forgiving when you go back to the blue tees. See, I'm going to argue and say the opposite. Well, what I'm going to say, <laughs> it is my note. I, what I'm going to say is when we go to
3: clustered, we'll, we'll, sometimes we'll play the white tees, Sometimes we'll play the, the blue tees. And sometimes we'll play the tips. And I always—it's always the same general score. I'm always in the same, you know, eighty-three to an eighty-seven kind of range. There, it doesn't matter which tees I was playing from. Like it—it it, that hasn't changed my game. Why would going from the reds to the whites then change my game?
0: I think you're just playing reverse psychology right. yourself. Like I think if I go to a course and play the tips and shoot even, and then I move up to the one back tees that we would normally play. I'd be like, God, I should be able to shoot 65 from here. Like, that's probably not reasonable, but it would give me a boost of confidence. So I would say move forward, get comfortable making birdies, or move back and make the course harder. And then you're so, all of a sudden you're like, I actually can shoot better here. Like,
1: you don't even, in your head, you don't even know what shooting under well, 80 well, means. why is this all about me? Why is this all
3: about me now? I thought you weren't talking about anyone's stand. <laughs>
1: so if you broke 80 you would be able to say, who cares if it was a red tees? I've shot a 78 right, before. I, I'm just going to go play I'm gonna move 18 back, holes it's not gonna be that at big the of a cradle, difference. and
3: I'm going
4: to break 80, oh, and it's going to be go. great. And then you come down and talk on this podcast about how you broke 80, and you'd be like, Tuh.
0: red tees. <laughs> red tees. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, I think that does it for us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.